106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. If they get control of Congress, they will spend the next two years investigating President Biden and their political opponents. That's all they want to do. They see it as payback. Oh, it gets better. They've already got prepared that they're going to impeach uh, Biden. They're not sure what for. <laughs> but apparently that's beside the point. <laughs> what we're going to do for Floridians who commute, we're going to reduce tolls by 50% statewide for all commuters in the state of Florida. We are going to make all baby items, diapers, cribs, wipes, you name it, tax-free permanently in the state of Florida so you can raise kids and get by. You know, we have a five and a four and a two-year-old. Our two oldest are out of diapers. My wife asked me, why didn't you propose that your first year in office? Well, you live and you learn. And we're also going to say that pet food uh, is going to be tax-free in the state of Florida. So this is going to be the largest tax relief plan in the history of the state of Florida. You're able to do that when you have a strong economy and the largest budget surplus Thank in you, history, Governor. which we have right now. My neighbors are liberal Democrats, and I was talking to their six-year-old yesterday. She told me she wants to be president of the United States. So I said, well, if you were president of the United States, what would the first thing you would do be? She thinks for a moment, she's six, and she says, well, I would give the homeless people food and homes. And I said, that's an amazing goal, but you don't have to wait until you're president to do that. I said, tell you what, come over to my house. You can pull weeds, mow the grass, and rake my yard. I'll give you $50, and then, I'll take you to where the homeless people are and you can give them that $50 and they can put it towards a new home and food. She thinks for a moment because she's six and she says, well, why wouldn't the homeless person just come over and do the work himself and you can pay him? And I just looked at her and I said, welcome to the Republican Party. Her parents just glared at me and they're still not speaking to me. What else do we know about this population 18 through 24? They are stupid. Oh my God! That is why we put them in dormitories and they have a resident assistant. They make really bad decisions. Oh, okay. When you realize that the number one leader of the FBI, the number two leader of the FBI, both clearly broke the law, when you realize that there was a systematic effort to cover up for the Clintons with immunity being given to people with all sorts of weird things going on and then you look at how viciously they went after the Trump supporters uh, you have to conclude that this was the greatest abuse of bureaucratic power at any point in the history of the deep state and that it uh, had, had Clinton won uh, they would have covered the whole thing up and we would be living in a country with a very corrupted uh, Justice Department and a very corrupted Bureau, Federal Bureau of Investigation. So I feel doubly grateful that Trump won because I think the danger of Clinton would have been so horrendous. I had to get rid of a t-shirt I had. I had this t-shirt for a while. On the t-shirt it was a cartoon bear wearing a sombrero. And above the sombrero it said Vatos Locos. And I got rid of it because I found out recently while I was at a Mexican restaurant that Vatos Locos is an extremely violent Mexican street gang. Yeah. And my waiter was the one who broke the news. He goes, are you aware that Vatos Locos 
is an extremely violent Mexican street gang. And I was like, wow, then I suggest you don't charge me for guacamole. <laughs> This is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No Hostages Radio. This is episode 190190, and it will appear on November the 22nd. That's a Saturday morning. And uh, you can reach me if you want to keep in touch with me two ways. <clears throat> One is by my phone number, 530-713-1838, 530-713-1838. I'm on the left coast up here in Northern California, so if you want to call, keep that in mind if there's a time difference. Otherwise, just text away at that number. I do check it. I do, I'm, I'm on top of my phone, contrary to other people. Uh, also, you can email me uh, at our website, which is lou, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com. <clears throat> Very simple, nohostages, plural, radio.com, nohostagesradio.com, and then just put a lou at in front of it, L-O-U, and that will get to me, and uh, some of you use that, and it's uh, been very helpful. Uh, let's see, <clears throat> we do have a, a live show. The live show is going to be a little bit different. This week we're going to have a, uh, a doctor, Dr. Cassidy, being on the show and talking about overdoses, fentanyl, opiates of various types. And uh, so you might want to check in on that if you like to listen. Uh, if you don't mind to, to reach out to us, you can go to uh, KMYC 1410 AM. I know most of you, if you're not in these local counties, you can't pick that up. It's an AM and FM 104.3, but if you go to the website, KMYC 1410 AM, uh, you can click on Listen Live, and it should work. And uh, then whatever's on there, you can listen to. The show starts at 10 AM in the morning, left coast time, and ends at 1. So that's that. Um, you can always go back and listen to shows at nohostagesradio.com also you can see articles there i've written for the territorial dispatch which we mention because they promote our live show and they occasionally run some of my articles over there at territorial dispatch i'm not sure whether their website is fixed it used to be territorialdispatch.com but the last couple of times i looked it was not working properly uh, so, and, it, and the nice thing is about the website, you can read the paper all the way through front to back with all the articles and every item that's in the papers in on the website, which is different from many uh, newspapers nowadays. Um, all right, let's get to it here. So we, we just finished up. Uh, let, me let me mention I was out at All Power Services, which supports the show here, and, rent, and I went out to talk to... Well, Fanning, I needed a, a concrete stair step welded on a an old staircase on the exterior of a building we're remodeling, and 
ran into Josh James and, and uh, Will out there and just saw some of the amazing projects they had going on. So if you have any needs, of you have any product that is powered like a chainsaw or weed eater or lawnmower or big rig or compressor or water blaster or jet ski, these guys can fix all that stuff and get it right back out to you. Their place is packed. And uh, all power services, you can reach them by phone or text at 530-844-0347. 844-0347. They're at 1469 Stewart, S-T-E-W-A-R-T Road, Yuba City, in Sutter County. And uh, they do great work. They were they were showing me some of their uh, accomplishments while I was there. It's always good to see Josh and Will. And they've got two other employees now, so things are um, hip-hop happening out there. Also, we give a shout-out to Ira and Gina Burroughs at YS Junk Angel. Ira said he's fighting, uh, still fighting the uh, San Francisco Fire Department for firing him because he wouldn't take the jab. But in the meantime, he's cleaning up people's property, and he said he's straightening out America one property at a time. So you can reach him by text or phone at 530 530- Three two nine three one one three three two nine three one one three. If you want to help a fired firefighter, and he's working in Yuba Sutter counties, and maybe we'll travel a little bit. Uh, he will help haul off stuff that you don't want and uh, clean up property that you don't want to deal with. Okay, so I want to talk a bit about the <clears throat> elections generally, and. Having grown up in America and um, been voting for, I don't know, 50 years or so, over 50 years, uh, there was always the concept of Election Day. And after Election Day, or during Election Day, the votes started to be counted late in the evening, usually. Polls usually closed back in the day, I think it was 6 or 7 o'clock, back in here in Northern California. And usually by about midnight, you had a pretty good idea who was going to win, but all the votes weren't actually counted and published uh, or put out on the radio or back then on the television. But uh, by the next day, you knew what was going on. And uh, now uh, something has happened throughout America, and it's the federal government really doesn't tell how the details of all the elections have to work. There's some uh, latitude, I guess you would say, in each state uh, on how they want to conduct the election and manage the election and get the results out. And uh, now the elections in America have have more resembled, in fact, most of America is more and more resembling a third world nation. A third world nation is an old term, maybe it's out of use today. Uh, It's a very popular term 40, 50 years ago about nations that were undeveloped and backward. And so U.S. elections have uh, slidden to the backward category. And uh, the British Broadcasting uh, Corporation, BBC, put out this headline, U.S. election results, when will we know who won? And azcentral.com columnist John Gabriel wrote, friends in Hungary and Brazil asked how their nations can count votes in a few hours while it takes Arizona a week or longer. And I think the longer 
is the word we're, we're going to hold there. As of early Friday afternoon, which was a week ago, America's voting system has devolved from a global beacon of democracy to an international punchline. A bright neon sign warns, don't try this at home. So uh, more to come here. Mechanical breakdowns, baffling ballot dumps, and inexplicable pauses in tabulation have buried the Arizona and Nevada senatorial race and gubernatorial results in the sand. Did you notice that many of the it's, – it's interesting. We do a voting system, right, once every couple of years. You would think that they would have two years to check all the, the uh, machines that they f- function properly. You would think that we would check all the machines, that there was enough paper to run through them, uh, to print them out. Uh, there would be enough ink in the printer. I'm pretty conscious of the paper I have at the house here when I either use my printer and my ink. And you would think that a person that's making probably of a quarter of a million dollars overseeing the uh, sec- the Secretary of State job in Arizona, that, that she could have... Uh, double-checked all those things, but we ran out of ink down there and paper. Alaska, it says, has soiled itself with a new neat and needless odious rank-choice voting process, which, frankly, I have not figured out yet. It sounds like that the person that gets the most votes does not win. <laughs> rather, It said, rather than Tuesday's top vote-getter winning the Senate seat, Republicans Lisa Murkowski, Kelly Shabaka, and Buzz Kelly and Democrat Patricia Cheeseborough or Chesborough are mired in a glacial redistribution of each losing candidate's votes to those ranked higher than them. I, I don't know how you could you could donate your votes to someone else. <clears throat> so even though Chewbacca won she may not have won. The writer asked, who's, who's going to be the next mayor of Los Angeles? As of this writing, 64 hours after polls closed, nobody knows. Some 900,000 ballots await tabulation. In 10 California congressional contests, only half the ballots have been counted per Politico. In the 6th district, only 52%. Fortunately, in the 3rd district, which Yuba County, where I'm sitting although I'm not sitting in the right part of the county. Kevin Kiley has been declared the winner of the new 3rd District. That's because we lost a congressional seat in California. Therefore, they had to redistrict the whole state, and it created a district called the 3rd District that now is in a different spot than the old 3rd District. So Kevin Kiley ran and prevailed, and he has been summoned to come back to Congress to Washington to be— I don't know, briefed or something. I don't know whether they don't swear them in yet. They just start doing an orientation. Um, America needs a cleanup of a humiliating voting system. You know, it used to be America was sort of the beacon uh, for all institutions, whether it was law enforcement, education, religion, Political. We used to laugh at the Soviet Union and how, uh, but what a bunch of liars and frauds and oppression and propaganda 
that they had in their country. Instead of them becoming more like us, the sad thing is we have become more like them. We have a cancer in this country, not only the physical cancer that many people suffer with, but a cancer of immorality and a cancer we call now early voting. There's a code that you wonder, how how do we all come up with all this stuff? Well, there's a federal code called the number two and then U.S. Code 7. And the, here's the quote. for the, This is the actual law. The Tuesday next after the first Monday in November in every even-numbered year is established as the day for the election. In each of the states and territories of the United States of rep- for the representatives and the delegates to the Congress. Pretty simple, huh? So you got the Tuesday next after the first Monday in November, and even in every even-numbered year. So we're in 2022. That makes sense so far, right? The th- odd thing is that we don't. We no longer have an election day. The author writes, asks the question: What part of this federal statute is unclear? So how they want to conduct the the, the election. And the machines they use nowadays, we remember we used to use just paper ballots. So here's what we got going. Pennsylvania, like we, we had the voting day this year was November 8th, right? Pennsylvanians began voting on September 16th, 39 days before Fetterman and Mehmet Oz, before the debate on October 25th. They started voting before they were finished campaigning. For seven days and two days, seven weeks and two days, people voted before they saw Fetterman's performance and either were appalled at his diminished post-stroke mental incapacity or admired him simply for showing up and standing there. No ballots should even have been cast for either man absent the knowledge that people had from that final event. Some 600,000 Pennsylvanians already had voted before they saw Fetterman barely able to talk. Isn't that amazing? So maybe people don't care whether a candidate can talk and they could just have somebody else run, run the show. They just want the control of the office. Doesn't that seem like the way it is? Early voting began in Arizona on October 12th. Remember, the election's November 8th. That was 20 days before the Libertarian Party nominee Mark Victor dropped out of the Senate race. Now, this is sad because this cost uh, Blake Masters the race. So he dropped out and endorsed Blake Masters, but people had already voted for him. In fact, Victor... The guy that dropped out got 43,542 votes by the time he dropped out. In 2016, uh, North Carolina sent voters absentee ballots on September 9th, a full 17 days before the first Clinton-Trump debate. That's September 26th. 
voting before even the first of three debates for president of the United States and leader of the free world. It's just ridiculous. So how about this for an election system? Make Election Day a national holiday, this writer suggests. I don't necessarily agree with all of it, but I think, think this is something to think about. How do we straighten it out? I, I don't know. Well, my circle of friends mostly think like I do. But most people would agree, no matter what flavor they are, that elections should be righteous and, and legal and accurate and not fraudulent. Most people, I think Democrat and Republican, would stand on that. I'm sure there's some Democrats that don't want that. I don't know any Republicans that would say, I, I want a fraudulent election. So this this is really saying, it's saying make Election Day a national holiday. But I think what it's really saying is let's vote on a particular day, and that's it. So if it was a national holiday, they say, why don't we operate polls for 24 hours, midnight to midnight Eastern time, and open and close simultaneously nationwide. Voters should not be swayed by the results in states with earlier precinct closures. Voters must have a photo ID. Voter rolls must be cleaned or purged frequently and by the registration deadline, two weeks before Election Day. No more mass mail-in ballots. No more. That's where a huge amount of fraud is going on. Limit absentee ballots for the sick or to the sick, the infirmed, which is the same, people that are recovering from accidents and things, and those who will be absent on election day or are going to be out of the country, which is the reason I started voting absentee. Only adult U.S. citizens can vote. Zero ballots for foreign citizens. What do you think about that? So it's something to think about, and as you know and you've seen it, uh, Various uh, liberal folks think they they always contend that somehow that a voter ID card will keep minorities from voting. Yet when you go to minority neighborhoods and ask them, for instance, black neighborhoods, you talk to folks there, Harlem, wherever. And you ask them, do you have an ID? All of them say, yes. Do you, is, would it be difficult for all black people to get an ID? They say, no. Is there a problem with you identifying yourself if you go in to vote? Absolutely not. But you have the, the leaders of the black community, the plantation owners, saying that blacks are too stupid to find their way to the Department of Motor Vehicles or too stupid or, or they're too broke to be able to afford an ID of any kind. Blacks don't seem to agree with that, but they're not in charge. All the people in charge are the black charlatans <coughs> and white charlatans that are controlling the black population and speaking for the black population. So um, let me mention one other uh, company that is being helpful to us. That's Little Billy's Excavator Service and backhoe service 
They're located in Yuba County up in Loma Rica, but they'll travel around Northern California to help you with your excavator and backhoe needs. That's the, they, it's a owner operator. Uh, it is not a big corporation or a franchise. Uh, it's a person, uh, he's got skin in the game. That's Israel Garcia, Izzy Garcia, and you can reach him by text or phone at 530-300-6010. I like, I like backhoes and excavators because it just makes my job so much easier when it goes in and moves that dirt around or digs the ditch or fills it back in or makes me a pond and uh, changes everything. So uh, he does a great job. And whatever your needs are, whether you're going to put up a house or a barn or you just need to straighten out some property or whatever, he will take care of you. We'll be right back. We have five more seconds. One woman just to hold me down. One woman just to lift me up. Oh yeah. And I got at least have one woman on the side that really don't give a fuck. If you want to go, baby, go ahead and walk out the door. But one thing that you got to remember. We all know the term carbon footprint, but did you ever consider who created it? You probably believe it was created by a well-meaning environmental group, some organization that really cares about our planet. Well, nope, it was created by these guys, British Petroleum otherwise known as BP. The same BP that's the fifth largest producer of oil on the planet, and the company responsible for this, the second most devastating oil spill in history. BP created the term in 2004 as part of a massive global advertising campaign. It was a masterclass in greenwashing, designed to take the focus off its polluting practices and to put the blame on the public for buying its dirty products, instead of BP for creating them. In short, they spent millions to blame you for carbon and to make you feel guilty for not being green. Also that they could wipe their conscious clean and continue to make billions a year in profits from oil. Excuse me, that's my stuff. Good afternoon, I'm Nurse Bowles. Can you strip down to your underwear for me? Take off your clothes down to your underwear and remove all your jewelry. Do you understand? What? To check for identifying marks. Scars, birthmarks, moles. It's to protect you, the other patients, and the hospital. But I'm not sure what's happening here. I, uh... The nursing assessment includes a head-to-toe skin examination. It's a hospital-wide policy. There's nothing invasive about it. Look, I have to go. I'm going to be late for work, so... The door's locked. For your privacy, I need you to take off your clothes down to your underwear and remove all your jewelry. There's nothing wrong with me. I just needed to talk to someone, and the counselor said that I... Did she tell you to do this? Miss Valentini, are you refusing to cooperate? What happens if I do? It would be better for everyone, but especially yourself, if you just do as I ask. We talked to that student this morning in an interview. He told us that he was shocked by what happened in class. The teacher won't be teaching that class anymore, but he is back in it today. What do we call when we're in trouble and someone has a knife or a gun? We I call wouldn't call the police. police. Why wouldn't you call the police? I don't trust them. A Cypress College adjunct professor is now on leave after a Zoom video of an exchange with student Braden Ellis, who calls police heroes, went viral. I think cops are heroes and they have to have a difficult job, but we have to have that All fine of them? life. 
Oh, I, I'm not. I mean, I'd say uh, a good majority of them. Ellis gave a presentation on cancel culture and police in his verbal communication class. In a discussion afterward, the professor interrupted him multiple times, not agreeing with his support of law enforcement. You have bad people in every business and every yet, part. Yeah. Well, wait, a wait, lot wait, of wait, wait. Police wait. officers have committed atrocious crimes and have gotten away with it and have never been convicted of any of it. Ellis says he felt attacked. I was shocked. Um, I didn't really expect an answer like that. Uh, I was assuming that she would just play devil's advocate, and uh, but she put her bias in there and she gave me what she thought of the police. And it was a little bit sad, to be honest with you. And that he worries conservative students can express themselves properly in college. I want to say to people that are listening to KTLA that, you know, we need to have unity back in our country and learn to have civil debates again, left, right, and center. The school has released a statement, part of it reading, Cypress College takes great pride in fostering a learning environment for students where ideas and opinions are exchanged. And any efforts to suppress free and respectful expression on our campus will not be tolerated. So a college student does a presentation on cancel culture and police, and his teacher interrupts him, tells him that if she had to call the police or was injured, she wouldn't. I mean, if you're a parent out there, ask yourself, why am I sending my child to college? Do they want to be a doctor or a lawyer or something that needs a certification? Otherwise, have them go to trade school. Who wants to spend all of this money for your kids to learn nothing other than to hate you? I always say the days of passive parenting are over, and they are. We have to watch what they're watching, read what they're reading, understand what they're being taught in school every day. And now we see college is the place of indoctrination. They'll scare your, scare your kids about environmental ideology, political ideology. There are no genders. There are no races. Everyone is just a homogenous blob of liberal anxiety. Don't send your kids to college. It's a waste of money and they'll hate you when you're done. I tell my nine-year-old every day, you don't have to go to college because I don't know, I'd like him to like me when he was 21 and not think he has to drive a bicycle to work because the earth is gonna be done in three years. No thanks. Notified by a text yesterday by an author or a writer, columnist, Jason Pohl, P-O-H-L. He writes for the Sacramento Bee, which used to be considered the state newspaper, kind of. Not not the government newspaper, but, you know, it's the capital of Sacramento over here in California. And uh, I had talked to Jason over the months, or maybe it's been scattered over the year, the last year. Jason became interested in a murder or a death of the police chief's wife up here in Sutter County. That's Yuba City in particular. Uh, he became interested in, I guess, I don't know if he saw a couple of my articles I'd written for the Territorial Dispatch, but he came interested in this unsolved death. Why do I call it unsolved? Well, 
on the death certificate, when someone dies, they have to determine the manner and the cause of death, according to the coroner, sheriff coroner, uh, on any death that happens in California. The manner and the cause of death needs to be stated on the death certificate. Unless it's just undetermined and they just give up and say, we have no idea what happened to this person, whether an extraterrestrial knocked them in the head uh, or if there's no marks on their body and they just died, they say, we have no no idea. So in this case, the, the lady that died had a gunshot wound to the head. And um, the uh, the investigation since 2016 has never been concluded. And many law enforcement officials off the record believe the husband then and also then the police chief, Aaron Easton, shot his wife. And it just seemed implausible that she shot herself with the husband and all the kids in the house in the middle of the night. So I've been around lots of suicides from previous work I've done. And... Uh, I've seen people hang themselves and, and, you know, put tubes in the window of the car from the exhaust and kill themselves that way and cut themselves and take overdoses of pills and shoot themselves. All kinds of things it happens in America. And um, so the law enforcement didn't seem to be able to solve this Easton case, Sarah Matthews Easton's death. And the district attorney at that time, Amanda Hopper, her husband was somehow involved with the Eastons and maybe Mrs. Easton. And so he was a interested party in the case that the law enforcement wanted to interview. And they didn't like the way the interview went. So they interviewed him a couple times. But it compromised the ability of the local district attorney's office in Sutter County to prosecute the case. And right across the river, the Yuba County couldn't do it because the, the Sutter County district attorney's father worked for the Yuba County district attorney. It just got really complicated. And so they passed the ball, as they say in sports world, to the attorney general to look at over and maybe they would like to prosecute the case and nothing happened that all occurred when Kamala Harris or Kamala however you want to say it was the uh, attorney general over there and so nothing has happened and no one uh, will tell you anything about anything because everything uh, you know it's an open case so they can't say anything about anything so Jason Pohl contacted me and he wrote a four-part article uh, on this case, and and it uh, and it appeared yesterday. And I'm going to give you the date so you can, if you're interested in looking up Sacramento Bee, if you go online, you can read it. But you have to pay a subscription fee of some sort. So I haven't read it yet, but I'm going to read it all. I'm very interested in what Jason wrote. And so the first edition, or the first uh, for, first part of four, came out on November 15th. So if you want to go back and list, uh, read that, and then it, I think it, it's, they're going to run the rest of them from, from the 15th on over to this weekend. So if you're interested in the Easton case, uh, take a look. 
Now, uh, also, we have a change in district attorney. Uh, Amanda Hopper was in office for two terms, eight years, and now the lady that ran against her in the very beginning and lost, Jennifer Dupre, who was a prosecuting attorney for the, the next county over, Butte County, not Yuba, but Butte, she ran a second time recently, and she prevailed in the primary in June, and that there was just the two of them. So Jennifer Dupre will take over the district attorney uh, responsibilities in January of 2023. And one of the things she said uh, informally, it hasn't been a publication, but she's made comments that she was going to look at this case because it's such a high-profile case and unresolved. She was going to talk to the district, the attorney general or the Department of Justice and find out if she could take control of that case back and look at it like a fresh murder case or a fresh death. So we're happy about that. And I want to just give a shout out to the Sacramento Bee and to Jason Pohl. That's P-O-H-L. If you ever want to look him up, he's a very nice guy. I've talked to him. I've never met him face to face, but I've had numbers of conversations about the case on the phone, and uh, I'm excited to see what he has to say. So I'll leave that there. Um, it's it's interesting that after all these years, the leaders of the the law enforcement agencies that um, investigated the case have all retired. And uh, without any comment, and just went on, rode off into the sunset. Which is what all the FBI does, by the way, all the crooked people over at the FBI. I'm not saying the local guys are crooked. I'm just saying that they just all get their pensions, and regardless of whether they did a good job or not, they just ride off into the sunset. Drink a little hot tea here. It's cold over here. So, with that in mind, I wanted to. Um, this is an interesting. Uh, I watched this first on YouTube. I, I like to watch YouTube uh, testimonials or testimony taken in the different committees of the Congress and Senate. I find it very interesting looking deep into people's eyes and see, are you lying? You know, because so many people just lie. Very, very few people tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help you God. So uh, Chris Ray who Donald Trump appointed when he fired the other FBI director. And uh, I'd just like to remind everybody that I like Donald Trump. He's not perfect, and he's definitely not God. You know, somebody, sometimes I feel like I'd like to be God because I'd like to see in the future, I think I might be more helpful. But maybe, maybe that's not true. But... Uh, Trump picked some people to take responsibilities that were crooked. And, you know, it's hard to, you know, you can't read a, people's, read a person's thoughts. You don't know what's in their heart, right? So Christopher Ray was a bureaucrat. That's W-R-A-Y. And uh, he took over after they fired the top bunch of people at the FBI. They're all liars. Isn't that amazing? Law enforcement being liars. It's hard to take. I hate to even have to say that because I like law enforcement. I think it's important. In fact, the Bible thinks it's important and, and uh, endorsed law enforcement as a way to keep the lid on things till Jesus returns. 
So um, the interesting thing about this is most people I don't think know about is that he was being Christopher Ray. There was a number of people that are law enforcement type people on this panel, and Christopher Ray was one of them, and, and uh, Congressman Clay Higgins. Clay Higgins is a he's a Southern boy, Republican from Louisiana, and I first saw Clay Higgins before he went into office, and he was doing these YouTube deals because he was a sheriff deputy and he was throwing down against all kinds of bad guys right on right on youtube challenging people we're coming after you you did wrong and we are going to get you and uh i thought oh this guy is unique and so i i've looked a little uh, up clay higgins clay higgins has been in the military did a stint in uh law enforcement and now he's serving our country as a congressman and i am i'm thrilled actually so he was interviewing and he said did the fbi have confidential human resources embedded within the january 6 protesters on january 6 of 2021 ray says well i'm sure you can appreciate he tried to give him the standard baloney i'm sure you can appreciate i have to be very careful about what i say about when we do and do not and where we have and have not used confidential human resources, Ray said. But to the extent there's a suggestion, for example, that the FBI has confidential human resources or FBI employees in some way instigated or orchestrated January 6th, that's categorically false. Now, he knew that's the issue. Ray knew that is the issue because the FBI is believed to instigated the whole thing by infiltrating groups and perpetrating the event. Now, they didn't gather all the people there. They infiltrated it and caused a big riot. That's what people believe, and that's what Higgins was getting at. So Higgins then asked, did you have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters inside the Capitol on January 6th prior to the doors being unlocked and opened? Good question, huh? This is a cop asking a cop, right? Again, Ray says, I have to be very careful about what I can say. Higgins says, it should be a no. In other words, that's what you should say, my friend. No, we didn't do that because that's wrong, unethical, right? That's a cop talking to a cop. Higgins goes on to say, can you tell me, can you tell the American people no, we did not have confidential human resources dressed as Trump sources positioned inside the Capitol on the January 6th. Ray says, you should not read anything into my decision not to share information about confidential human resources or human sources. In other words, just because I say I can't say anything about it doesn't mean we did or we didn't. These guys are so slick. If you ever thought that a criminal was slick, don't ever think they are as slick as law enforcement. These guys at the top, oh, they, it's like they took an acting class, baby. Later in, in the hearing, a Democrat congressman from Michigan, a lady named Elisa Slotkin, said she was very concerned about people thinking the FBI is a political tool and asked Ray to explain in your words why should they trust 
their federal law enforcement. Ray said that the, that he hears from people outside the FBI that the FBI does the right thing in the right way and that he would stack our workforce up against anyone in the world. I don't want your workforce, Mr. Ray, stacked up against anyone in the world. There's lots of corruption out there. I want you to just stack it up against the Bible. <laughs> That's what I want. I want I want you to stack up against a moral code, not against some Mexican operation or some Russian operation. He says, and the American should have deep confidence in these people. In other words, FBI. And I will add that when it comes to perception of the FBI, that the number of Americans all across the country applying to be special agents in the FBI have been going up, up significantly. It doesn't matter to me whether people are joining they drink the Kool-Aid. It's the same thing that we think we elect a certain representative in our home area that we think it's kind of thinks like us. We hope they think kind of like us. And then they go back to Washington or they go down to uh, L.A. or something like these local supervisors and they come back. It's like they went to a sex change. These people go. It's like they they're transgender now. They're certainly not the same people we elected. So we have a situation where the FBI is corrupt. When we have law enforcement that you cannot have confidence in, all things are unraveling. All things are unraveling. We have a Department of Justice that is corrupt. They are sending the FBI out to harass parents who don't like their kids to be uh, propagandized with pornography in the government schools. The FBI is, is treating parents like terrorists. That's trouble, people. Now, the local, your local police force and your local sheriff may be way, way, way higher in standards of, of operation and performance than the FBI. Are they as educated as the FBI? Sometimes I think maybe they don't have the opportunity to get that much that that amount of education. But the fact is, it's, all, it's not all about education. It's about character. When you talk about you're, you're allowing a person to carry firearms, shotguns, rifles, sidearms, mace, all kinds of chemicals, uh, baton to beat people down, right? Tax strips to throw across the road. You give people huge authority to arrest people that are innocent until proven guilty. We need, we need people of character. We need people of character. And when the FBI leadership like Chris Ray, Robert Mueller, James Comey, Rosenstein, Strzok, Page, McCabe, I could go on and on or I could go on and on and on. I shouldn't have to go on and on. I, it's sad that I have to name names. And, and then I can keep naming names. It's wrong. It, it's contrary. It's like a mother that doesn't care for her baby. It doesn't make any sense. They have a natural desire uh, and tendency to want to care for their loved ones. And so to have to name one law enforcement person after another that's crooked, lied, not only uh, tried to overthrow the president of the United States, and then lied to Congress about it.
I guess if you're willing to overthrow the president of the United States, you'll do anything. Maybe even kill somebody. Maybe they killed Seth Rich. Remember Seth Rich? I talked about him last week. 24-year-old data processor for the uh, Democrat National Committee. And got fed up because of the corruption in the Democrat National Committee destroying his candidate, which is Bernie Sanders. Stealing the election from Bernie Sanders, the primary election. Remember that? Before Trump got in, was was the uh, candidate. Gave the gave the the thing to Hillary, and exposed it all. But but for exposing it all, they killed him. Two gunshots to the back. Another unsolved crime in America. There's just there's hundreds of them, and there's significant people that have died, like Sarah Matthews Easton, locally here. So the FBI is crooked. And some people start out, oh, there's just a couple bad people at the top. No, there isn't just a couple bad people at the top. It's sadly, you know, it's just like a cancer patient. They they think, oh, we saw this little cancer or something. They go in and they think, we're, we're just going to go in here. We see this cancer on this part of your body inside. And they go in and, and, and when they open you up, oh, my, you ever heard this? They opened them up. And then they just sewed them back up because there was too much to deal with and and to cut out. So they just sewed them back up and they're going to try something else, like bomb his body with chemotherapy. That's how the FBI is. The more we open it up, the more corruption and cancer, moral cancer we see in the FBI. It's it's really it's sad, but it has to be dealt with. It's kind of like having your, your family member commit a heinous crime that you never imagined they'd ever do. We have right now, we've weaponized the FBI against the citizens of America, turned them into a domestic terrorism assault unit. And we've turned the uh, medical bureaucrats of America into an assault unit on doctors. Instead of the, we created all this, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, it is not a government organization. The World Health Organization, not a government organization. All these health bureaucrats, many who have never treated a patient, now telling doctors that if they don't treat their patients with the pres- prescriptions and the protocols that they determine, they will take their license from them. That is uh, medical authoritarianism. You remember during the uh, Obama run for office and Palin was running against him and exposed the fact that under Obamacare, they were going to have death panels. I'll tell you about that in just a minute. We'll be right back. I got it. we finally get to hang out. <sighs> it is just, it's crazy out there, isn't it? 
Yes, it is. Oh my gosh, my 401k is just... <laughs> I mean, it's so bad. Oh, and the grocery prices. I mean, I am paying like double what I used to. Oh, and the gas prices. I mean, my goodness. Yes, and did you hear that Kathy's car was stolen last week? Oh, are you serious? <sighs> the crime is just... It's definitely increasing. It's it's kind of getting out of control. Yes, the crime is definitely getting worse. And and the, the drugs. I mean, people are like dying all over the place from fentanyl overdoses. It, it's it's horrible. Yes, it's coming up through the southern border. It's just a it's a real issue. Well, I hope you voted last Tuesday. <laughs> oh, oh I did. <laughs> I did. I voted for more of the same. Oh yeah, of course, me, me too. I mean, I'm, I'm not an idiot, Becky. <laughs> Thank you, Mayor and members of the council. My name is Reverend Jeff Durbin. I'm in opposition today, and I'm a pastor of Apologia Church and the head of End Abortion Now. And I'm a resident of the city of Phoenix. By God's grace, uh, we're the organization that has actually put in the bills of abolition and criminalization across the United States of America, including Louisiana, Texas, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Colorado, and there's more coming. We also filed the amicus brief in the Dobbs case that defeated Roe. Uh, just an observation, uh, it's an incontrovertible fact that what's in the womb is human from conception. That is not under dispute, that's not debated. Somebody making that claim is about 50 years behind the science. There's an incontrovertible fact that what's in the womb is human from the moment of conception, and all humans deserve equal protection. When the Christian abolitionists fought to criminalize slavery based upon the Christian scriptures and Christian worldview, they had to contend with rulers and powerful white people who just couldn't let it go. They fought, those rulers, to dehumanize our black brothers and sisters and not offer them equal protection under the law, the same thing that you're attempting to do today. Dehumanize the preborn and offer them no protection. History has already judged those evil people in the same way future generations will judge you. And more importantly, there is a day of judgment in which you'll be judged for this injustice today. Can you just imagine, friends and fellow residents, when slavery was abolished and criminalized, rulers such as yourselves calling a special session to legislate or resolve to ignore reports of people beating or owning our black brothers and sisters. The law doesn't work in their favor, so they suggest simply ignoring it. Scripture says, those who hate me love death. Nothing could be clearer than that today. I call on you to repent, turn to Christ, and establish justice and equal protection for these innocent, pre-born human beings. Thank you for your time. It's a new world out there. Got to take care of yourself, eat right, drink right. They got a flu virus out there that's killing people. The flu is already bullshit. You don't need to catch the flu and die. Don't worry about me, I can't catch the flu. A lot of y'all don't know, every time you go to jail, you get a flu shot, so. I done had 22 flu shots. I, I can't legally catch the flu until 2026, I think it is, I can't. I can't get the flu, tuberculosis, none. I go to jail, they don't even make me take a picture. They let me pick for my book. Which one of these do you like, Mr. Williams? You can pick any one of these out.
You might have seen in California where uh, Governor Newsom signed a bill that would basically say that if uh, this is regarding COVID type issues in the medical community, that the medical doctors, not government medical doctors, these are private individuals, private businesses, that they only have one choice in taking care of a, a patient that has COVID. And that is to give them the prescriptions and the protocols of the government of California. If we would have followed that during COVID, we'd have had hundreds of thousands more deaths in California. But because honorable and hardworking and courageous doctors began creating a protocol to stop uh, COVID from getting out of hand in people's lives. You know that young people had no problem with COVID. Children didn't even know they had it. Some people just cut the sniffles, got a cough, no big deal. But people with what they call comorbidities, other problems, like maybe they had part of a lung missing or they only had one lung or they only had one kidney or they had other issues, they were obese, or, 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 lots of stuff that people are just dealing with every day, and then they get something on top of it called COVID. So Dr. Lou, our local health officer here, told people to go home and wait until they couldn't breathe and then come over to the hospital and put them on remdesivir and a vent. I think about 90% of those people that were put on that protocol died, and then the government gave the hospital hundreds of thousands of dollars per each death that they would consider COVID deaths, right? And I met a guy that was in his 30s, my neighbor, who I was just learning about COVID at the beginning, and he came home from the hospital. He'd gone over to the clinic part of the hospital and said, I got COVID. And I was so fascinated, I thought, I said, I wonder what they gave you. So I said, what'd you give? He said, they didn't give me anything. They didn't give you, you have fever, you have this, you have that. They didn't give you anything. Nope, didn't give me anything. I said, what did they tell you? He said, to stay in my room and see how it goes. So many doctors came up with a protocol, many brilliant doctors around the United States from coast to coast. And that included vitamin D. You get vitamin D from the sun, which is very important. So they told you to go out and spend time out in the sun. But in absence of getting enough vitamin D from the sun, you could take vitamin D supplements and zinc products. Zinc actually blocked COVID from getting into your cells if it got into your body. And then also they were recommended quercetin and uh, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. And the the government and the media complicit with the government because they actually got millions and millions of dollars from the government to say these things about COVID. It was all a propaganda scheme, fraudulent propaganda scheme. And uh, they began to mock hydroxychloroquine and to mock ivermectin as if they were quack drugs. Totally ignorant people, fraudulent people, liars. And many of the people, uh, citizens, went out and and got large quantities of both of these and distributed them themselves. Pretty soon, we have an underground hydroxychloroquine ivermectin economy. We got we got drug dealers dealing fentanyl and methamphetamines 
and marijuana. And then we have good salt of the earth citizens uh, getting Z packs, ivermectin, and hydroxychloroquine, and actually telling people how to take it and what to take and what the package, you know, because the, the uh, quercetin and some of these other uh, medications uh, allow zinc into the cell. You, abdu- you to absorb zinc into your body, and zinc prohibits COVID from entering your cell. If it can't get into your cells, it can't make you sick, people. You would think, did, did any health official in the United States of America, from Blinky Burks and Fauci or anybody, ever say anything to how to build your immune system up to prevent you from getting sick? Nope. It was just take these things, remdesivir, and and get uh, on a ventilator. So anyway, right now there's a early on during COVID, <clears throat> there was a um, a doctor, a Missouri doctor. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know what he was, but he would pop up on YouTube, and then he got kicked off YouTube, and then he popped up on these other channels like BitChute and Rumble, and he began telling people how to take care of themselves so they wouldn't get COVID. And now the uh, government, the federal, there's a federal lawsuit against this fellow. His name is Dr. Eric Nepute, N-E-P-U-T-E, N-E-P-U-T-E, Dr. Eric Nepute. And Eric was a really interesting breath of fresh air telling people like, this is no big deal. Take care of yourself. This is how to take care of yourself. The federal government is suing an individual doctor. He's a chiropractor in St. Louis. Up to 500, not 1,000, not million. They're going to sue him $500 billion. One person in America. Can you imagine? No talk about uh, what we're going to do to Fauci or to Burks or to Collins or to Dasik or to Barrick or all these people in America, Azar, right? About hanging them from the highest gallows. But they're going to sue a chiropractor. And I'll tell you, this is unbelievable what he did. Unbelievably good. Uh, His case goes to court uh, this spring, this March. So it says, starting no later than June 2020, Nepute began advertising a protocol that customers should follow to protect against, prevent, and treat COVID-19. This protocol, which is varied over time, advises consumers to take daily substantial quantities of emulsified vitamin D3 and zinc found in the Wellness Warrior products that he has online. According to the suit, Nepute's lack of factual and scientific basis. When you when you when I read this, this is almost laughable because none of the shots are scientific based that you're taking. the The masks aren't scientific based. The social distancing isn't. Shutting down schools and businesses are not scientific based. None of it's scientific based. But they have a lack of fi- factual and scientific basis for these claims. Uh, frequently accompanied by equally unsupported assertions regarding applicable science. In short, defendants are selling their products by disseminating information, exploiting fears amid a panic 
pandemic. I, I want you to think about this. They're saying he's exploiting fears in a pandemic. The only people that exploited fears in the pandemic was the government of the United States and posting significant risk to public health. Vitamin D is now a significant risk to public health. However, it says U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, states that vitamin D is essential for bone health as well as muscular and nerve functions and helps the immune system fight off bacteria and viruses. It's right on the CDC website. So, uh, despite numerous offers for settlement and arbitration, Nepute has rejected any out of, he's not settling with anybody. Like, guilty or not guilty. Ain't going to be nothing in between. He's rejected any out-of-court resolution and feels confident in the case going to trial. The only reason they're coming after me, according to the chiropractor, is because I'm the first doctor they went after and they want to make a precedent. Now, this is some of the statements are made. This is an actual quote from the Federal Trade Commission. They said they wouldn't stop until they had blood on their sword. They literally, that's literally from the FTC's mouth. In other words, they're taking him down and they're going to, they're going to cause him pain and misery. Nepute said his vocal stance favoring vitamin D and zinc as immune boosters, including his public distribution of 2 million tablets for no charge. He distributed 2 million tabs free drew the federal government's attention. They aimed I'm not going to stand for that man because they wanted remdesivir and death ventilators and death. Remember even the PCR test, a total fraud, not a mistake, a fraud. They knew it wasn't going to work or they knew it was going to work to promote their devious agenda. The FTC is pushing this because it's political, the chiropractor said. I've spent $3.5 million so far defending myself. Is this a shame that good doctors like Nepute, McCullough, Malone, all these people are having to fight for their medical lives for, for actually doing the job that Anthony Fauci and, and Deborah Burke should have been doing? Nepute said the only tactic they have is to drag this out. That's true of every lawsuit I've seen. They want to take your money. They hold uh, the DA will hold uh, threaten you with if you if you take us to court and you lose, you're going to get 25 years. You're going to spend fifty thousand dollars, this that, and that. They hold that over your head. What do you do? You settle for something that isn't true. You commit to something. You confess to something that isn't true. It's like when they took me to court on it piddly uh restraining order i said dude you i got some money to spend and i'll spend it ain't i'm not committing to anything that's that's a lie and you guys are liars and your people are liars over there yuba county deputes lawyers recently filed a motion to dismiss they 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 say 
He has 10 million alleged violations of the COVID-19 Consumer Protection Act of 2020. 10 million violations and 12 million violations of the FTC Act. And when you add up, each each carries a maximum penalty of $43,792. I don't know why we can't round it off. So now they're over $500 billion in fines. Tom Rents, who I've heard speak in California of Ohio, is, his, is an attorney. He's an, is an advisory counsel. And so on and on it goes, and it's going to go from one doctor to another doctor to another doctor to another doctor. And California is trying to do its own uh, deal where you take away the independent uh, and freedom of doctor's analysis and, and prescribing of what sh- could help people. And you have the, the uh, sa- sacredness of the client or the patient-doctor relationship, and they're eliminating that, saying you just look down the list here of what they say the symptoms are, and you do just what we tell you to do, and if you do anything else, you can't practice medicine. So Dr. Metzler, or Meltzer, chief of hospital medicine at University of Chicago Medicine, says vitamin D is important to the function of the immune system. Now, Shazam! If you have a strong immune system, you have nothing to fear. I don't care what kind of virus comes around. And vitamin D supplements have previously been shown to lower the risk of viral respiratory tract infections. Isn't that exactly what COVID is? But they just play all these games. Rent said, Anthony Fauci said you should use vitamin D himself. Why aren't they suing Anthony Fauci? Brent says, I want to know why they aren't going, uh, why the FTC is not going after the vaccine companies and the officials promoting the lie that COVID-19 actually stops transmission. Actually stops transmission. I want to know why it's okay for Anthony Fauci to say the vaccine stops transmission, even though he knew it was false at the time. And we can show that he knew actually that it was false. He was actually telling a lie. He knew he was telling a lie. No one's making any mistakes here. They were carrying out a fraudulent agenda with an objective in mind. And that was to take control of the United States of America and to eliminate a huge number of the population. And they succeeded. Napute says, I spent my life savings. I sold some property, sold a car. I've sold everything to defend myself. I could have taken a settlement and walked away, but that's not the right thing to do. I like this guy. I like this guy. And uh, I see, he says, what I'm talking about is, is, uh, not rocket science. What I've done is repeat medical literature and provide solutions for people who didn't feel they had a solution for anything, which is exactly what the United States government told people. There is no solution to this other than put a, a, a feminine napkin around your face, stand six feet apart, stay in your house. You remember the days when they said the virus is outside in your house. There's no virus. Stay in your house. Then they changed their mind when they when people got sick in their house because they weren't going out, 
outside. So then they said, the virus is in the house. Go outside in the fresh air where there is no virus. Both are lies. 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 Viruses are everywhere. They're up in your nose. They're in every orifice you can think about, and they're on your skin. They're always there. Everywhere. Forget COVID. Go 100 years from now. There will be stuff in your nose hairs if they took a little swab up there. There'll always be something there because they're on your body. That's why you have an immune system, and that's why you strengthen the immune system. Everything the U.S. government told you to do compromised your immune system. Staying in the house all alone, staying away from other people, don't kiss them, don't hug them, don't do anything, is bad for your immune system. You need to have your immune system exercising itself. It's kind of like saying to somebody, that's in pretty good shape. Don't ever exercise again. Stay in the house. Sit still. Sit in the lazy boy, right? They call it a lazy boy for a reason. It's bad news. People die in those things. Dr. Lou, and she just did it again. Recently, there was a flare up of COVID, supposedly, right? Did you know that after COVID, people are still going to get sick in America? But now the government says if anybody dares get sick, there will be consequences. You're going to have to get locked down. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do that. You've got to take a swab up the nose, a stick up the nose. It's totally nuts, people. There is no science behind it. So right now, they shut down all visiting at, at Yuba County Jail. Not because of Sheriff Anderson, but because of Dr. Lou and the, the mer- medical Nazis in California that guys that guys and gals that are in that jail through through uh for some reason they did something wrong but they did not deserve to have inhumane treatment in the jail where is the inhumane treatment coming from it's not coming from the officers it's not coming from the sheriff it's coming from the dictates of a of a authoritarian nazi regime in California that is mandating that they have to all wear masks, that they have to spray the building down in the interior twice a day with chemicals that are bad for you. And they have to quarantine individuals who are, it's not healthy being in jail. I don't know whether you've ever been in jail. It's not a healthy place mentally. People try to kill themselves. People try to kill themselves on the outside and then people get under pressure on the inside. Just said, I've screwed up my life. I'm ashamed. I'm a mess. Life is never going to be any better, and I'm going to kill myself. So people take overdoses. They hang themselves from the plumbing pipes, and it is not healthy to cut off visiting. You think, well, why would they cut off visiting? Because people can't even meet face-to-face. It isn't because. According to the sheriff, it's not even because that. That's stupid in itself. The sheriff's not stupid. He knows what's going on. So here's what the deal is. If, if you're in a particular pod or se- segment or room of the jail, they won't allow you to walk down the hall, down to visiting, and have a bunch of other inmates sitting on stools looking through plexiglass because somebody may give something to somebody. This is a prescription for sickness by keeping everybody separate, people. But the doctor we've hired for $330,000 a year is, got, is a nutso. She is totally nutso. 
She is not interested in the health of individuals, even if the government said, in other words, she if she said, if the government said, I want everybody to be mandatory jabbed, she would make sure they'd get mandatory jabbed, even if it'd kill them. That's why she ran around neighborhood to neighborhood trying to get people to get jabbed. We'll be right back. We got another half to go here. Mama couldn't hold me anymore. I turned 21 in prison doing life without parole. No one could steer me right, but Mama tried. Mama tried. Mama tried to raise me better, but her pleading I denied. That leaves only me to blame, cause Mama tried. FTX founder Sam Bankman Freed was the largest donor to the Democrat Party, second to George Soros, for the spurious 2022 midterms. Nearly $40 million, which reportedly came from crypto donations to Ukraine. FTX was partnered with the World Economic Forum as one of Klaus Schwab's stakeholders. FTX's founder reportedly used a secret backdoor to steal over a billion dollars from the customers of the now-defunct cryptocurrency exchange. But there's more to the story than Sam Bankman-Fried and a money-laundering slush fund for the failing Democrat Party. The CEO for FTX was Caroline Ellison, whose father is Glenn Ellison, head of the MIT Economics Department. Glenn Ellison hired Gary Gensler to head the cryptocurrency department at MIT in 2018. And in 2021, the Biden administration nominated Gary Gensler as the chair of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, who has been laser-focused on gaining control of cryptocurrency. While the SEC has been routinely combative towards cryptos, they have treated FTX like family, causing many to argue that FTX was being groomed and set up by the SEC to monopolize the crypto market. FTX was an exchange that had a bright sheen on it. It was led by a CEO that was often on Capitol Hill and being photographed with regulators and lawmakers. And so there was this sense that the exchange was very buttoned up. Cryptocurrency has the potential to strip power from the central banking system, and that makes it a major threat. As this story unfolds, don't be surprised if this mess becomes the catalyst for government overreach into cryptocurrencies. The journal reporting the CEO allegedly using customer money from FTX to fund risky bets at his other company, a hedge fund called Alameda. Many people believe that this will definitely set back the crypto industry for years. You know, this is a tale as old as time to some degree. Some young charismatic guy in Bermuda shorts with the floppy hair uh, charmed the 20 best investors in the world. Rebecca, the big question here, was this a mistake by the founders or a crime? Well, that's a question the regulators will ultimately have to answer here. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Hi, my name is Leslie, and I would like to share with you my experiences in the clinical mental health counseling program at Antioch University and my concerns that graduates of this program may be unprepared to serve their clients as counselors based on the training that they've received. Counselors are being trained not to remain objective and neutral with their clients, but rather to see themselves as agents of social change and to view their clients as opportunities for imprinting extreme left-wing views. 
And I say this as someone who's always considered myself to be socially and politically liberal. Um, Antioch has almost entirely replaced classical notions of education and psychology with social justice ideology. I'll give you some examples of how that plays out in counselor training. We were taught that our main role as counselors is not in our work with clients, individuals, and families, but rather as activists for social justice. We were taught to assess ourselves and our clients according to something called the addressing model. This uses the word addressing as an acronym with each letter standing for a different demographic category. So age, disability, um, ethnicity, religion, sexual orientation, um, nationality, gender identity, socioeconomic status, et cetera. And for each of these categories, we are to um, give ourselves either a value of marginalized or privileged and do the same for our clients. And then add these up and see who's more privileged. And this teaches you how you're supposed to interact with your client. And if either of you, if one of you is white and the other is not, then automatically that's the trump card. And so the non-white person is the marginalized person, no matter what the other categories say. And this sounds absolutely crazy, but this is actually what they are teaching in a graduate level clinical applied psychology program to future counselors. This is how you are to understand yourself and the person to whom you are speaking. We were taught to broach race early in the clinical relationship, preferably within the first session. And what that means is that no matter what the client is coming in for, um, could be relationship issues, depression, um, bereavement, any number of things that a person might come in to see a counselor for, you are to bring that conversation around to race. And if the person, you say you're a black person and you're coming in, I'm supposed to say to you, how does it feel to you, a black person, to sit with me, a white person, as your counselor? And then if, if this, if it doesn't seem like it's a big deal to you and it doesn't seem like race has been playing a big role in the issues that you're facing, I'm supposed to help increase, this is what we were told, increase your racial identity salience, which means making you more aware of how race, white supremacy, and systemic racism has impacted the problems that you're having today. And if you're a white person, I'm supposed to help you see how you have been perpetrating white supremacy knowingly and unknowingly against people of color instead of helping you work on the problems that you are bringing in or it, in order to steer your problems into a racial discussion. I had a professor at Antioch uh, for a multicultural perspectives class, which was basically a social justice training class who called white women basic bitches, Beckys, and nothing special and told us that white women's tears have been overvalued. Antioch also promotes racial segregation among students, frequently inviting us to join either a BIPOC affinity group or a white affinity group. The white group used to be called an accountability group, but they've changed that language. They've softened it a little, I guess. Uh, they also are promoting language which would change the word woman, replace the word woman with the term AFAB, people with vulvas. Uh, AFAB stands for assigned female at birth. So instead of woman, AFAB, people with vulvas. Um, they promote the concept of the trans child as well, which uh, 
would, which means that the, according to Antioch's teachings, children can know from very early in life that they are transgender and that as a counselor, it's your job to affirm and help them <clears throat> on their path to physical alterations of their bodies, not to explore with them what's going on and why they feel the way that they do and help them to become comfortable with their with their physical body without drugs and surgeries. The Chancellor of Antioch also sends out frequent emails in response to social uh, current events in, in politics and culture. And these are editorials. Um, most recent one was about renaming Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day. And these emails tell us in really strong language how we are supposed to feel and respond and, and act in, a, in response to these events. Um, there's no attempt at neutrality. There's no attempt at um, remaining politically objective. These are left-wing political talking points. And it seems to me so highly inappropriate that this person uses their access to the entire student body uh, worth of emails to spread their political points across, you know, far and wide. It's like a, a bullhorn. And I've I've tried, I've responded to these and I get dismissals. I have reached out to my faculty advisor about my concerns about the program. I've reached out to the chair of the department. I have filed grievances with the provost. All of my concerns are being dismissed. Most recently, the faculty advisor um, admitted to me that they are aware that they are not training counselors who are going to be able to work with, in her words, the Trump supporter. So they, this is turning counseling into a profession that seeks to remake you, the client, in one political ideological form and pathologize alternative ways of thinking and, and sociocultural political viewpoints. I, I have almost finished this degree. I only have a few classes left to take and I'm finding myself kind of at a stopping point right now because they've instituted a civility pledge, which is a pledge to social justice ideology. It's uh, being aware of racism, ableism, heterosexism, et cetera, et cetera and uh, privileged and marginalized identities. I cannot sign this pledge. I do not agree with this ideology. I will not sign this pledge just to, just because they have my master's degree held hostage. I hope that people are starting to become aware of just how significant this cultural takeover is, uh, this divisive and hateful ideology. This is the implications for mental health care for people seeking mental health services, for people going to college or sending their kids to, to school are huge. I, I really hope people will take this seriously and let's put a stop to this nonsense. Let's bring back sanity. Thank you for listening.
righty, we're in our fourth segment here. And uh, if you are in need of some legal services, I want to recommend somebody that helps me all the time and is easy to get along with, easy to get appointment with, does the job quickly, and is more reasonable than the average attorney. And that's Nellie Garcia at North Valley Paralegal. She's the owner, and she's, she's there every single day. Nellie Garcia at 751 Sutter Street in Yuba City. Very simple to get a hold of her. You can dial her up. This is the landline at 530-751-9289. She does all kinds of legal work. You just need some papers done. I just had a lady that has an elderly father and is having a really tough time and needs to do some legal work for him and her to keep care of him. And, and she said, I was in church with her the other night. She said, Lou, I need some help with some legal stuff. So anyway, Nellie can do that. Lots of lots of your legal things that we have to do. They're not legal problems. It doesn't mean you're in trouble. It just means they're just things you need to take care of in life, whether you need to add yourself to mom and dad's property or checking accounts so you can take care of them or, or you need to adopt somebody or you need to do this or that. All those things are just good things that need to be taken care of having a will made, a trust drawn up, whatever. 7519289, that's on Sutter Street in Yuba City. And just down one block to the south is Allen's Auto Body at Tea Garden in Sutter. It's right there. You can see one from the other. And Allen's Auto Body is no, no, uh, has notorious because it's got a bright yellow stripe, horizontal stripe around the side of the building, so you can't miss it. It's right on the corner of Tea Garden and Sutter, and you can reach them at a landline at 530-671-1057. Why would I even bring them up? Because they have helped me fix my car a, a number of times from damage that was done, wear and tear, or wind catching a door and springing the door, or denting the front of the car up, having to have parts purchased and replaced, all that kind of stuff. So a number of us around the the station here and the podcast here have had work done over there, and we like Kevin and Kerry Clark. They're a quality couple, and they're honest, and uh, they do great work. All right, so we're back to it here, and I wanted to, um, some some of y'all, you know who you all, you are, send me information, and some of it's so cool. And I wanted to share this. <clears throat> so you, you're hearing now, <clears throat> you've heard multiple things, uh, opposites throughout COVID. Uh, and then you hear, oh, it's this way, and then it's that way. This way, that mask, no mask, two masks, four masks. Six, six feet apart, oh, it doesn't matter how far apart you sit, stand. So, so. This is some quotes from key people. You'll recognize the names. The quote is, you've heard it. Nobody said you wouldn't get COVID if you were vaccinated. Do you remember anybody saying that, that these guys are saying now? Nobody said you wouldn't get back COVID if you got vaccinated. No, don't you remember in the beginning what they said? But now they're saying, oh, we didn't ever promise that if you got the shot, the jab, that you weren't going to get sick from COVID. So actually I have six quotes here. Anthony Fauci, this is a quote, when people are vaccinated, they're not going to get infected. That's a quote early on in COVID. Rachel Maddow, 
MSNBC News. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus actually stops. Bill Gates, fake doctor, says everyone who takes the vaccine is reducing their transmission. President Biden said, you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Rachel Walensky said, she's the CDC director now, taking over for Robert Redfield, Redfield who designed, resigned during COVID. Walensky said, vaccinated people do not carry the virus and don't get sick. Think about that for a minute, people. And Albert Borla, I think he's going to be famous before this is over. Albert Borla, B-O-U-R-L-A, said he's the president of Pfizer, the CEO. There is no variant that escapes the protection of our vaccines. Now, you saw, if you watch any YouTube, a blonde executive for European Pfizer that said before the vaccines came out, they had no proof that the vaccine would either stop COVID or stop you, stop you from getting it or stop you from spreading it. Now they're saying, like I just quoted earlier, that they, they didn't claim you wouldn't get COVID if you, if you got the virus, uh, vaccinated. You remember all the rules? You can't go to school. You can't go to the playground. You can't go fishing. You can't go hunting. You can't, you can't have a sports team. You can't go see grandma. If you go to the grocery store, you have to follow the lines. No two ways. One way only. On and on. Nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. Uh, all of it nonsense. And uh, then they said, we have this vaccine. And if you take the vaccine, in fact, you can see Dr. Lou on YouTube. You should go look at her YouTube videos and say, is she a liar? Is she mentally ill? Or is she just totally incompetent? It can't be, it can't be a fourth one. It's got to be one of the, one of the three: totally incompetent, mentally ill, or a liar. Because she said, if you'll take the vaccine, then you don't have to wear a mask. You could go back to normal. That's what they told us. Remember, take the vaccine, and every, then we go back to normal. And then after people took the vaccine, in fact, Walensky, the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky, and Joe Biden have have had COVID many times. After taking the shot and the boosters. In fact, now we're being told that people that have the jab, remember, everybody's like down on, oh, we do, you dirty vermin, you dirty uh, uh, rats that didn't get the vaccine, that won't wear the mask, that won't follow all the rules. You're going to kill the rest of us, right? Who Who's killing the rest of us? Where are we getting COVID from? We're getting COVID from the jabs. They call it shedding. I used to keep, I got, I could, I got the S right, but I used to call it sloughing it off. Kind of the same thing, shedding. You can actually, if, if your wife got uh, the COVID shot and you didn't, you're liable to get stuff from your wife, just like HIV. It's called shedding. Isn't this a lie? We were lied to people. We were lied to repeatedly. Donald, in, in fact, Blinky Deborah Burks, 
has written her memoirs or her book now who says she lied, consciously lied, planned to lie, deliberately lied. How else can I say it, people, to Donald Trump, the president of the United States? It's interesting. Now she's all honest in everything. In fact, Trump says in an article I was reading today that he realized that she was lying. He suspected that she was lying. Isn't this amazing? These are the top people in, in skill levels in our country. And they lied about something so serious as uh, COVID and health, right? This guy, Jeffrey Tucker of the Brownstone Institute, wrote an article that is included in in a, a, a little a flyer I get. Uh, I guess it's monthly. It's called Imprimus, Imprimus or Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S. He said the economic disaster of the pandemic response. He says Trump was quoted in a Jared Kushner book called Breaking History, saying, I'm not going to preside over the funeral of the greatest country in the world. I appreciate this, the President of the United States saying that. In other words, I'm not going to go along. I, this, we're going to resolve this. Thank God he had a spine. It says he also su- suspected that he had been misled and was no longer speaking to coronavirus coordinator Deborah Burks. There was problems at the top. There was mutiny. They were liars. Remember, his the vice president was the coordinator of all these supposed medical brilliant people. They're liars. Fauci says, I just do medical advice. I don't think about things like the economy and the secondary impacts. I'm just an infectious disease. Hold on here. My papers are sticking together. I'm just an infectious disease doctor. Your job, Mr. President, is to take everything else into consideration. Really? They crushed the entire economy. I don't think the economy will recover in my lifetime. I don't get that many years left. They've ruined it. They crushed it. Do you know that this article, in fact, from Jeffrey Tucker, says that there were 100,000 100,000. Let me say that one more time. Not not 100, not th- 1,000, but 100,000 restaurants closed. You think, "Well, that's a lot." You mean in the state of in a state or in a city in a in the whole country or what? You have no idea that the devastating impact this had. A hundred thousand restaurants in the in the borough of Manhattan, New York. Not in New York City. Not in New York State. In the borough of Manhattan, one hundred thousand restaurants closed, never reopened. Fauci says, "Not my, not my responsibility. I'm just an infectious disease guy." The next time a doctor recommends something to you, you need to think. He is not taking responsibility for your life, people. You are responsible for your medical care. And you need to use medical professionals to assist you and advise you. But just because they say it, you don't walk off the gangplank. 
And Fauci is saying, oh, I don't have any responsibility for the country. It's interesting when I've talked to uh, Dr. Cassidy about as a health officer, he says, as a health officer, you got to weigh everything. You got to weigh the financial impact. I mean, there's other things besides what the remedy is going to be. He says, uh, Tucker says, it, it also seemed to be widely believed in 2020 that the best approach to pandemics was to institute massive human coercion, a belief based on the novel theory that if you make humans behave like non-player characters in computer models, you can keep them from infecting one another until a vaccine arrives to wipe out the pathogen. Their thinking was wrong, people, and the vaccine never came. You understand what I'm saying? The vaccine never arrived. This isn't a vaccine. It was a, it was just a, it's a, it's a RN, mRNA cocktail that's killing people. He, Tucker says the lockdown approach in 2020 stood in stark contrast to a century of public health experience in dealing with pandemics. We got a whole history in this country of how we dealt. There's been pandemics all along. How'd they deal with it? I wrote an article about it for the dispatch. During the great influenza crisis of 1918, people said, oh, yeah, 1918, the Spanish flu. Oh, my goodness. It said during the Spanish flu, which had huge numbers of problems, only a few cities tried coercion and quarantine, mostly San Francisco. Also the home at that time of the first anti-mask league, anti-mask league. Whereas most locations took a person-by-person therapeutic approach. Given the failure of quarantines in 1918, in other words, they didn't work. They were not employed again during the disease scares. Now listen to these dates on disease scares. 1929, there was a big pandemic. 1940 through 44. 1957 to 58, I, I lived through the 57 to 58. 1967 to 68, I lived through that through then. 2003, yep. 2005, 2009. In all those years, even the national media acted responsibly in urging calm. But not in 2020, when policymakers, whether due to intellectual error, political calculations, or some combination of the two, launched an experiment without precedent. The sick and well alike were quarantined through the use of stay-at-home orders, domestic capacity limits, and business schools and church closures. This occurred not only in the U.S., but worldwide, with the exception of five nations and South Dakota. Man, if you ever... if you, That's amazing. I, I don't know what's going to become of Christy Nome, who's the governor of south dakota but i'll tell you if i was her as a governor i would take into the future the memory that i was the only state in of 50 states that chose to stay wide open and did just fine kept my schools open kept the stores open no businesses closed no hundred thousand restaurants closed in her manhattan and there were five other nations that said we're not going to do this So it says, see, he asked the question, have you wondered this? What happened to COVID? Because just this week, 
I learned it over at Yuba County Jail. They had a COVID outbreak. You know, like I said earlier in the show, it's no longer acceptable in the in California, at least. I'll just speak for California to anybody who gets sick. Oh, my goodness. Do you have COVID? I said, people are just people. What I've learned in this whole thing, people are crazy. And, and it's a good thing we don't all live together in the same building. Because people are just stupid. Their reaction to COVID, this COVID thing, was absolutely insane. The author says, meanwhile, what happened to COVID? It came anyway, just as the best epidemiologist predicted it would. It had a high, highly stratified impact consistent with the information we had from the very early days of at-risk population. The big at-risk population was elderly and infirm people that are sick. People are already very, very ill. He said, even if the lockdown had saved lives over the long term, and the literature on this overwhelmingly suggests that it did not save any lives, it would be proper to ask the question, at what cost did it save a life? You know, I get a kick out of people. Oh, well, if it saves one life, no, we don't, we don't act. We don't live that way. If it just saved one life, you wouldn't drive across the 10th Street Bridge. There's all kinds of risks driving around in your car. You would give up driving if it saved one life. We're killing 40,000 people a year, people. Why don't you quit driving your car? That's a stupid statement. If it saves one life, it's not worth any cost just to save one life. It would be it would be a lot better to go back to horse riding. It would save lives. It could save 30,000 lives. I'm sure some people would fall off a horse and die. But it would save a lot of lives if we just went back to horse and buggy. Saving, if it saves one life, is stupid thinking. Maybe that's you. At what cost? What are the trade-offs? That's what a health officer ought to ask. That's what the Board of Supervisors should have asked. Well, what are the trade-offs? How many people are we going to save versus how many businesses are we going to lose and how many people are going to kill themselves or overdose, right, or divorce or beat each other up or beat their kids from keeping them home all day and not being able to go work? What are the trade-offs? Do you think the problem is we have 10 stupid supervisors who didn't even ask that question. I asked one of them, did you get a second opinion? Well, I didn't think about that. Man, we paying you a lot to think. You said you're the leader. You're the best guy for the job. Matt Conant. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. Really? You closed down businesses? Ran people out of town? Killed people? I didn't think about it? Well, that's just great, Matt. You got over $100,000, $200,000 in payroll protection money. The most dreaded, he says, the most dreaded directive from an economic point of view, bars, restaurants, food courts, gyms, and other indoor and outdoor venues where groups of people congregate should be closed. That crushed the mental health of our, of our, of our nation totally barbaric it's insane i wouldn't have dr lou run a mcdonald's she's nutso and you guys that you guys that are hiring her should be held 
criminally responsible for her behavior. Creative Light Theater presents Comfort and Joy. The Wright family, with their four lovely daughters, are celebrating the most magical Christmas of all before the oldest one leaves the nest to be married. Jump forward 17 years. The Civil War is in full swing. Husbands and cousins and servants alike are off fighting for the Union. Christmas looks entirely different now. No decorations, no presents, no celebrations. But what they do have is family, love, and traditions that recall the most beautiful gift of all, God's baby son come to earth, the pure heart of Christmas. This original musical will stir hearts with the power of love and family when life becomes overwhelming and self-care is vital to carrying on. Join us December 9th through 13th at 7 p.m. nightly at the Embassy Theater at Glad Tidings in Yuba City. Admission is free. You think every car should be electric? Well, here are some inconvenient facts you probably don't know. This is part two of our series on electric cars. We keep hearing. The future of the auto industry is electric, electric, and battery technology. Battery technology. That's key because we need to store the electric power. But storing large amounts of energy in batteries has a problem. Batteries are really lousy at storing energy. They leak energy constantly. They leak and they don't hold a lot. Physicist Mark Mills says electric cars are great, but... Oil begins with a huge advantage over the chemicals that are in a battery. Oil has about 5,000% more energy in it per pound. And we see this in electric cars. Electric cars' battery weighs 1,000 pounds. It's what the battery weighs. It's replacing about 80 pounds of gasoline. All right, you're talking today, but the batteries are gonna get smaller and better. They've gotten way more powerful, long-lasting, and affordable. All of this is just a prologue to what the next batteries are going to do. I can't wait. Will they be something like the one Iron Man has? Yeah, I can fly. Iron Man with the, uh, the power pack that he puts in his chest or the Terminator. Could happen. Things improve. Engineers are really good at making things better, but they can't make them better than the laws of physics permit. That will never happen in any place except comic books. That's inconvenient fact four. Miracle batteries, powerful enough to replace fossil fuels, are a fantasy. Because nature is not nice to humans, we store energy for when it's gonna be really cold or really hot. The people who imagine an energy transition would wanna build windmills and solar panels and store all that energy in batteries. But you do the arithmetic and you find out you need to build about $100 trillion worth of batteries to store the same amount of energy that Europe has in storage now for this winter. And it would take the world's battery factories about 400 years to manufacture that many batteries. 400 years? Politicians don't mention that. That leads to another problem that politicians don't mention. They say every car will be electric. 
California will require all new cars sold to be zero emission vehicles. If that were somehow to happen. That means a lot more electric vehicles drawing power from the grid. But the grid is already limited. So limited that last summer, California's governor told people, don't use your electric car. Asking residents to avoid charging their EVs in order to conserve energy. Roughly speaking, you have to uh, double your electric grid to move the energy out of gasoline into the electric sector. No one is planning to double the electric grid in California, so there'll be rationing. Rationing. When there isn't enough electricity, cities will simply turn some of the power off. That's inconvenient fact five. We just don't have enough electricity for all electric cars. And we'll have even less of it if we try to get all our electricity from renewable energy like wind and solar. Our president says, We're gonna achieve a carbon pollution-free electric sector by the year 2035. And all of the media believe it. Power plants that emit greenhouse gases will go the way of, yeah, the dinosaur. How much of America would we have to cover with solar panels and wind turbines to begin to do this? Well, this is one of these areas that we have really precise knowledge. If you cover the entire continent of the United States with solar panels, you wouldn't supply half of America's electricity. This is just math and physics. It's amazing that all these smart people and supposed leaders say these things. It's upsetting. It really has been an extraordinary accomplishment of propaganda, and there's no other word for it. Wind and solar, renewable versus oil and gas, it's, it's almost infantile. It's really, it, it's distressing because it's so silly. Because even if engineers invent much better wind turbines and solar panels and power lines and batteries. You're still drilling things. You're still digging up stuff. You're still building machines that wear out. We're still driving big trucks, whether you drill a gas well or build a wind turbine. It's, it's all the same, really. It's just big machines to make lots of energy for humanity. It's not magical transformation. In many respects, the parts that aren't different are worse, unfortunately. The politicians are making us pay more to do things that hurt the environment. Europe going back to coal. Burning coal in homes and open stoves because they're so afraid they're going to freeze this winter. People fearful of winter shortages wait for days and nights to stock up on heating fuel. Lines going for miles in Poland. These are people picking up coal to take home to be sure they won't freeze this winter. This is crazy. So what we've done now is had our energy systems designed by bureaucrats instead of by engineers. And what we're getting is worse energy, more expensive energy, and higher environmental impacts. That's what we're doing. As for electric cars, I like them. Maybe I'll buy one. But I won't pretend it'll make me some kind of environmental hero. There'll be lots more electric cars in the future, and there should be, because that'll reduce demand for oil, which is a good thing. But when you do the math, the arithmetic on the scales of demand to operate a society with billions of people, with five or six billion people who are, live in poverty, we can't imagine. When you want to give them a little bit of what we have, the energy demands are off the charts big. We're going to need everything. Everything includes fossil fuel. A Montana rancher got in his pickup and drove to a neighboring ranch and knocked at the door. A young boy, about nine, opened the door. Your pa home, the rancher asked. No, mister, he ain't, the boy replied. Well, said the rancher, 
Is your ma here? No, mister. She ain't here neither. How about your brother, Howard? Is he here? The boy answered. He went with ma and pa. Is there anything I can do for you? The boy asked politely. I know where all the tools are if you want to borrow one. Or maybe I could take a message for pa. Well, said the rancher uncomfortably. I really wanted to talk to your pa. It's about your brother Howard getting my daughter. Polly made pregnant. The boy considered for a moment. You would have to talk to pa about that. He finally conceded. If it helps you any. I know that pa charges $50 for the bull and $25 for the boar. But I really don't know how much he charges for Howard. I'm kidding you. You used to laugh about everybody that was hanging out. Now you don't talk so loud. Now you don't seem so proud about having to be scrounging. All right, this is uh, segment five. And I want to give a shout out to, uh, if you, you know, everybody needs a plumber <coughs> from time to time, even if you know how to do it. I, I, I free up some of my problems, solve some of my problems, but other problems I can't. So uh, I call in a plumber and I'm going to give you a couple plumbers during the show here. The first one's Thrifty Rooter. And they have been, I, they may be, be the longest living plumbing business in the Yuba Sutter area. Now, I know there's Frank Booth. They used to call Frank Booth plumbing, but now they're big mechanical engineers. I don't think you can call them to get them to do a plumbing job for you anymore. They do high rises and air conditioning and all that kind of stuff, plumbing, big plumbing. But for the day in, day out plumbing that you need at your house or business, you need somebody like Thrifty Rooter, and they're really easy to get to, and there's lots of them. I go out, in fact, after I do this show, I'm going to go for, I got a couple errands to run, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to pass a thrifty, thrifty rooter truck running around town trying to solve a person's problems. Because lots of people, when you have, I don't know how many households we have in the area, maybe 150,000 now. There's lots of plumbing going on. So go to thriftyrooter.net. You can look at all the various services that they can offer you. You think, oh, I wonder if they do this. I wonder if they do that. Well, you can take the wonder out of your brain by looking at the list at thriftyrooter.net. Then you could send a message right off that website over there and say, hey, I need this done. Can you come and give them your contact information? You're good to go. Or if you're old school and you think, oh, I don't know whether the Internet really works. Do they really look at the computer? Like I wonder when I email people, do people really look at the emails? And go to 530-673-8201. That's a landline, 530-673-8201, and they will, uh, they will get right over there. And they're just not going to get over there and, and tire kick you. I used this term tire kick the other day, and the woman said, what are you talking about? What's that term tire kick? I don't have time to explain it. Maybe I'll do colloquial expressions on another day. But uh, they're not going to tire kick your plumbing problem. They're going to go over there and they're going to fix it just like that. And also I want to mention Dr. Cassidy. He's the guy that's going to be on the, the live show on KMYC on, the, on this Saturday, the 22nd. And I'm having him on because we need to talk about drug addiction and people dying all over the place. 
dying right in a barber chair, dying. They're just dropping dead left and right because they got fentanyl on board and it's knocking them out. It's very powerful. So he and I are working together. I'm not a doctor. I'm just helping get people to the right resources to get saved. And so at Peachtree Health, you can reach Dr. Cassidy at 530-749-3242. That's 749-3242. Very simple. Or if you just need a regular doc, <clears throat> uh, you can reach him. So ask for Dr. Cassidy. Say, oh, they, you know, they sometimes they'll say, oh, he's very busy. Yes, say, yeah, I know he's busy, but he'll want to see me. And uh, they say, oh, well, what, what do you need? What's your problem? I just say addiction, right? Simple, just one word, addiction. Give them your number, etc. If you have a problem getting an appointment for any reason, just I'm going to give you Dr. Cassidy's cell number. Yes, it's a cell number. And just text it once. Don't text it five times. Don't blow up his phone. Don't do it in the middle of the night when you're tweaking. Just give him a text, 530-682-8648, 682-8648. Just say your name, your phone number, addiction. Or if everything is freaky and you just wanted somebody to make one call and get it going, get stuff going, if you can't get through at Peachtree, Cassie didn't call you back fast enough for some reason. Just dial me up seven days a week, whenever you want. I'll talk to you or you can text me. And my number is 530-713-1838, 713-1838. Listen. We want to get you off the streets, We or maybe you're not on the streets. Maybe you're living in a nice home and got everything squared away there, but you're really having a tough time with opiates or synthetic opiates like fentanyl. You need some help, and you need to get off those. And, yes, it's possible to do that. A lot of people give up, like a lady the other day gave up, and she hung herself. I know her. I knew her, and it's I'm not having a happy time behind it. And she was, she, I didn't know she was having the problem she was having with drugs, but she was, as it turns out, and she got frustrated, gave up hope, and hung herself. And you don't get a redo on that. A lot of people in the old days, they, they overdosed and they got redos. The hospital would save them whether they got overdosed on alcohol or pills or whatever. The hospital pumped their stomach and they would resurrect them. But they're losing a lot of fentanyl people. So call us up. Give us a shout out. And uh, we will help you. Okay? So let me get back down to some next topic. And uh, I want to mention uh, some of you in the local area <coughs> were aware we've been fighting Measure A. And I'm sure in all the jurisdictions of the, of the uh, folks that listen from Florida... All over the United States, there's a smattering of people that uh, chip in here. And I'm sure in your area, some politicians are going to get an idea. Of they need more money. You're not giving them enough of your money. And so uh, I just mentioned this as a lesson. So in Yuba County, we got cheated. Remember, we get cheated out of elections. We got cheated by dirty judges in California. Measure K was a 1% sales tax increase. It passed with 53% of the vote back in 2018. We contended the opposition that it needed two-thirds to pass and be, because it was a tax measure. We had a difference of opinion between the 
pro-tax and anti-tax people. So we went to a judge in Yuba County, and the judge ruled that it was an in, he invalidated the tax, said it was an illegal tax. It should have had a two-thirds majority. And the Yuba County supervisors then paid a lot of money to have an outside legal firm take it to the appeals court, and three dirty judges uh, re, uh, overturned the local judge's ruling and said, no, it's a good tax to us. So when Measure A started in Sutter County, just a few months before the November election, there was a group of people that opposed it and fought it, and it looks like, although Sutter County is still counting votes, isn't that, it, it's just embarrassing to me. It's just, it's a sad, embarrassing thing. And I, and maybe even Yuba County has not finalized their votes, but Sutter County is still adding up votes. And the longer they count, the more Measure A loses. Thank you, Jesus. So I think at the end of the first night, there was, there was only 30, 40, 50 votes separating Yes or no. <clears throat> then it got up to 300 and something. And now it's up over 600 votes against Measure A. That means no tax, no no more additional tax, no more 1% increase. Now, again, that's Measure A. We're stuck with Measure K unless we try to repeal it, right? But but if everything stays the same, uh, the trend in in Sutter County, Measure A will go down to defeat, and we think that the supervisors of Sutter County spent nearly a half a million dollars of our taxpayer money that was taken from the citizens, which the Constitution says you cannot take that money and turn around and wage a campaign to raise more taxes with that money. That's a violation of the free speech of the citizens, but they did it anyway. And you know something? Basically, we have laws in the United States, and they hold us accountable to those out in the public. But the government at will violates the law every single day. And the only way that you will ever hold them accountable is to sue them with your own personal money, and they use our tax money to defend themselves. It's a very corrupt system. It's just like the CalPERS system or the election system where the, the people wine and dine the unions to vote for them. And then when they vote for them, then they take care of the union's salary increases and benefit increases when the negotiation time comes up. There should be no government unions. And uh, nobody should be able to take that kind of payoff. What we have is incestuous. That's an incestuous political relationship where the money directs the votes of the politician and the politician does uh, what he can to please the people that gave him the money. And so the problem is that the people that didn't get any seat at the table, that would be the citizens, never get a chance to have a yay or nay on the ridiculous salaries, like 600 to 700 or 500,000, 600,000, 700,000, 400,000, 300,000, double, many times double and triple and quadruple what people in private sector get for doing the same thing. It's just unbelievable. All right. So uh, this is our fifth segment, and uh, 
it looks like with Kevin Kiley's certification of his uh, election in District 3, by coincidence, by coincidence, uh, though California is so liberal, it's it's unique that Kevin Kiley's um, certification pushed the Republican Party, which I don't have huge amount of confidence in. I think they're corrupt, just like the Democrats are. Not every single person, but in general, they're corrupted. I and so, anyway, Kevin Kiley was called back to Washington D.C. according to his blog, and. Um, his success in his district pushed the Republicans uh, past the Democrats and having the majority in the House, which would mean that Nancy Pelosi would probably lose her chairmanship, which is uh, uh, would, is very exciting. But the the prospect of having somebody like Kevin McCarthy, who is a male Pelosi. The only thing he's missing is Botox and boobs. Kevin McCarthy is dirty. He's from he's from Central California. He's from the Bakersfield area. That's when he serves down in that Central California area. He is dirty as they come. The last time he tried to get the job, a rumor surfaced that he'd been having sex, an affair, with an assemblywoman, congresswoman from... North Carolina by the name of Renee Elmers, a former nurse. I think she's still a practicing nurse. She's married to a surgeon down there. And from about 2011 to 2016, when this blew up, uh, it was just kind of common knowledge that uh, Kevin was banging Renee back in Washington. They were always together at events, having dinner together, doing this together, doing that together. He was fundraising for her. And so when this, uh, when the last time they had a, a Speaker of the House, when John Boehner, the drunk and immoral guy, when he stepped down, Kevin McCarthy was sort of in line to take the job. But the word began to be spread that uh, Kevin was, uh, they didn't want an immoral House leader. They didn't want to start off that way. And so different people began to speak against that and circulate the deal, and uh, McCarthy stepped down. And that's where we got Ryan, who was a total disaster, instead of somebody like Chavitz, who also ran. So recently, Matt Gates out of Florida, was on the Charlie Kirk show, and he said he wouldn't be voting for McCarthy. In other words, the first thing is the Republicans need to, be, need to vote, but then it needs to go to a whole vote of the Congress. And they may not have, uh, they may, they, they do have uh, the majority of people in the Republican House voted for McCarthy already, but this thing may, may go down different. Gates added that he's not the only person who's likely to vote against McCarthy for Speaker. This, I'm telling you, if they vote McCarthy for Speaker with, and with Mitch McConnell being the minority head of the minority group on the Senate, this is super bad juju. There's a guy named out of, out of Arizona, Andy Biggs. He's a Republican. He's interested in running, but he just couldn't get the, the steam, the support. Josh Hawley, who is one of the most uh, 
well-known and respected senators right now in the in the uh, the Senate. He's from Missouri. He used to be the attorney general over there. He was quoted as saying, it's time to bury the GOP. Man, that's strong words from uh, Josh Hawley. I'm totally with him. I'm sick of the GOP. They're criminals, just like the Democrats. There is no real difference between the two parties. There are differences between individuals, but there aren't. The, the two parties are sold out. They're bought out by people like Big Pharma and, and Wall Street and all these, these people, and they're corrupted. So uh, my hope is that a miracle will happen. It's going to take a miracle. Kevin McCarthy is going to be an embarrassment. You remember we had a guy that was uh, for years was the uh, speaker, Denny Hastert. Remember Denny Hastert? Denny Hastert was uh, a pervert. And he was sex, He was a football coach, history teacher, and then he got into politics. But when he was a football coach, history teacher, a wrestling coach, I think he was a wrestling coach, history teacher, he molested many, many boys, high school boys and younger. And after he retired from the Congress, uh, the government began to notice that he was withdrawing large amounts of cash out of his account, which which the banks are mandated to alert Homeland Security regarding terrorist issues or drug issues. So they highlighted that he was moving large amounts of cash around. And uh, they checked in on it, and he admitted that he was being extorted. Money was being extorted from Denny Hastert. M- millions. And it turned out he was being extorted from by now adult men that he had molested when they were young boys and uh, he admitted to it. So we have got super immorality in America. We have super immorality in our leadership. We have, we have men and women who are compromised. What do I mean by that? I mean, they're compromised because when the opposition or their, or their other colleagues need them to vote a certain way and they're not going to do that, they bring up issues that they'll bring up in public about them, which will ruin their career and their life, maybe. Like, you've been sleeping with Renee Elmers. That ain't cool. You're married. You got a lady back home who claims she's a Catholic Christian. And you got Renee Elmer, Elmers, who's claimed she's a Christian down there, married to a neurosurgeon, and you're banging her while you're up here in Washington. That ain't cool. Or guys are having sex with people of their same flavor. Men are boys. They're molesting boys. Or they're trafficking in kids. So all these politicians and bureaucrats and different people who flew down to Epstein Island, all those people are compromised. So what do they do? They drop the word on them that they've been down there having sex with underage girls. Oh, it's oh, it's all wrong having sex with underage girls in in America, but it's not wrong out in the middle of the ocean on an island. Right. That's how they how do you justify things like that? Right. So we have all these people, Bill Gates, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, all these movie stars, all these big shots from Wall Street. Uh, We we got big top attorneys some people say members of the supreme court were down there we got all 
people that got compromised, right? Because once they record them, get them on film, take photos of them, put them, they're all on the log. They have to put them on a log when they fly in an airplane. So it's, it's memorialized. They're down there. So they have these compromised or they take payoffs, right? They take payoffs. And then they say, well, you know, you got this payoff and I, you probably don't want everybody to know that, or we got you this house, or we got you this vacation, or we took care of you on this, you know, these sports tickets on da, 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 right? People take that, right? They lose their mind. Same way. It's the same thing happens at the Ubik and Sutter supervisors. They're compromised. And so they no longer are serving the constituents. They are serving as a culture in Washington, D.C. that is corrupted. And by the way, it's satanic. They are worshiping Satan back there. You think, oh, I thought there was chaplains at the Senate. I don't care whether they're chaplains or not. There's all kinds of satanic rituals and sexual satanic rituals going on back there and around the world. And you wonder why did you were you surprised that Jeffrey Epstein died in jail? I was not. Not one other person's ever come to trial over that. We'll be right. We'll be right back. According to recorded history, the first democratic election began around 500 BC in ancient Greece, when the tyrannical government was able to avoid a people's revolution by allowing them a choice, usually between two people, an illusion of freedom for an awakening populace. This was the beginning of the two-party system that we have today in America. Both Republicans and Democrats bought and paid for by the same hidden hand. Freedom from tyranny is a dream that has never been fully realized in the civilized world. And it's safe to say that America has never had an honest, fair election. Buying votes for liquor was already a custom from England. And in 1758, George Washington spent his entire campaign budget on 160 gallons of booze for the few hundred landowners who were allowed to vote in the presidential election. The earliest elections were not conducted in secret, so after days of heavy drinking, each person would openly declare his vote for all to see. In the 1840s, the Democrat Party began deploying an election strategy known as cooping, as in chicken coop. They would lure people into back rooms and basements where they would beat them and drug them and force them to vote Democrat several times in different disguises. Cooping was common enough that many believe the writer Edgar Allan Poe was killed from being drugged during a cooping incident during the Baltimore election of 1849. In 1855, thousands of Missourians crossed the border to illegally vote in a Kansas election. With guns drawn, they coerced every town to record their votes. Some towns had five times as many votes as its entire population, and 90% of the votes supported the pro-slavery candidates that the residents of Kansas were mostly against. 
During the late 1850s, several of the infamous gangs of New York were hired and brought into D.C. during a local election to intimidate voters of the opposition. Things got so violent and out of hand that the U.S. Marines were called in to clear the streets of gang members. Around 10 people were killed. In 1868, hundreds of black men were killed in Louisiana for being registered to vote Republican. These are just a few examples of voter fraud, but the entire two-party system is a fraud. No matter who you vote for, the policy never changes because the system is not interested in personal freedom. And so they will always cheat. Starting in 1948 with the infamous Box 13 scandal, LBJ introduced a new form of voter fraud to be embraced for years to come by both parties. The simple technique of waiting until the end and then stuffing the ballot box with whatever you need. Electronic voting has only made this easier, allowing manipulation of the vote count all the way through. Mike Lindell's team recorded the election tally in real time, and we can easily see evidence of manipulation. Hundreds of thousands of votes for Democrat candidates all in an instant. A million here, a million there, in an instant click of a button. We can also see several inexplicable negative drops that can only be explained as manipulated adjustments to keep it close. Sloppy, as always. The civilized world has never been free, and America lost the Republic years ago to the mob rule madness of democracy and the two-party system. But considering our history, we can easily reverse this and grow in a positive direction, if we so choose. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. A woman gets pregnant. She's nine months. She walks across the border. She has the baby in the United States, and we take care of the baby for 85 years. I don't think so. And by the way, Mexico and almost every other country anywhere in the world doesn't have that. We're the only ones dumb enough, stupid enough to have it. And people, and by the way, this is not just with respect to Mexico. They're coming from Asia to have babies here and all of a sudden, we have to take care of the babies for the life of the baby. Now let me welcome everybody to the wild, wild west. A state that's untouchable like Elliot Ness. The track hits your eardrum like a slug to your chest. Like a best for your Jimmy in the city. Well, one of the, my favorite friends, Ted Holmes, is down in Mexico <clears throat> working on an orphanage down there that I originally got him involved with in 1987, and we've been working there ever since on and off. He's carried the load. I just, I just kind of lit the fire, got interested in it, and got all these guys to help me, and then they've kind of carried the, the weight. And uh, so Ted's down there, but he... Helps me on this show. He helps me generally in life, and he runs the Plumbing Doctor. That's also a plumbing company in the Yuba Sutter County's area. By the way, Thrifty Rooters here in Yuba Sutter, but they also operate in other counties. I was talking to the owners. Actually, it's her business too, Carla Artemenko. And I was talking to her out in the middle of the street one day. I said, hey, hey, where are all the counties you're in? She said, oh, we're also up in, I think, Nevada, Butte, Calusa. And I think she said in the city of Lincoln, that's a, that's a busy place. But Plumbing Doctor serves Yuba Sutter counties, 
and you can reach them night or day, any day of the week, at 530-671-9111. So just hold this thought. Any kind of plumbing that you need done, they will do it. Will you put in a new water line, a new sewage line? They, I had them replace all my toilets here so that it uses less water because a drip here is like dropping gold out of your faucet with Marysville water or cow water. <clears throat> I'm over in Marysville and they put in, they said, Lou, we got to replace all these toilets, man. It's like you're, you're, we could cut your water use in half on toilets. I said, replace them today. Hurry up. They replace hot water heater, wore out. They've replaced all kinds of stuff over here. So, uh, Check them out. Uh, they're honest. They'll take care of you. 530-671-9111. Also, Dave Green, it's construction. Uh, also, longtime friend. And uh, he's been helped. Both these guys have been helping me at the E Street Project, which is a project I, that I'm responsible for, to get done. And it's to house young people that we're going to train to be super-duper quality citizens that are going to serve all over the world. And they're going to be housed there. It's a sevenplex. So Dave has been over there polishing all these details of turning an old building into a newer building. And uh, but you could get your kitchen or bath or you could get a remodel done by Dave that will uh, be amazing. It'll just be amazing. So you can go check it out at uh, his two we- his, he has a website and a Facebook site. And the website is Greenitz, G-R-E-E-N, like the color, green, Etz. ETZ, that's one word, construction.com. Or you could go to Dave Green, it's construction Facebook page, and you could look at how he changed a house to cause it to be uh, easier and better to live in and a place that people want to stay instead of sell. And he changes the floor plans, helps with that. He helps with all the design, who, who can help with the design, all the... All the colors, the tiles, the you know everything, lighting, etc. Et so uh, the fixtures, he's the expert. So if you look at on his those sites, you can see before and afters, and you can get an idea. Oh, this guy obviously is an excellent contractor. There's some things like surgeons, big deals, right? Surgeons, you don't want to mess with. You want to like check their background. You want to see who's who in the zoo. Were they first in their class or 300 out of 300 in their surgeon class? You want to check, uh, you know, if you go to court, you want to throw down. I just found a a good attorney in uh, Placer County for a friend who's fighting consumer affairs. And I, I, and who did I call? I called a guy who's fighting consumer affairs, and he said, Lou, this is a good attorney. He's down there at, at uh, a bistro. He's got a wine bistro down there. And uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it, but it slips me right now. But it, it got in all kinds of trouble. ABC, that's Alcohol Beverage Control, because they stayed open during COVID. And ABC is one of the terror, terrorist groups uh, of the California to go in and just harass people when they they want to be free, right? So... Uh, Anyway, Greenest Construction can do a great job for you, and uh, you can reach them at 530-682-9602. You can text or call them there, 682-9602. Or you can reach them by Greenest Construction website, 
or the Facebook site. You can reach him in all those ways. Just send him a message or whatever. And also, Monty Hecker out of Elite Universal Security, never in the history of the United States has uh, it been being more difficult to secure your property and to protect yourself than it is right now. And I've had people throw stuff in Marysville, downtown Marysville. I've had people knock out my windows, uh, try to steal, steal stuff right out of my garage, break into my garage, break into my vehicle, uh, break into my house, dump stolen property on my property, uh, addicts laying all over the property, pooping on the property. And uh, Elite Universal Security, it, it's never been a time like, like this today. So if you have a business or farm, ranch, the, you've got to have some kind of help. Law enforcement just simply, it, it's an immoral society. Our founding fathers said you can't continue doing this. Our, our republic will fail if people don't manage themselves. There's no police force. You could handle a, hire 100 officers. 200 officers they cannot manage when you have a a people that uh are thieves are robbers are rapists are uh they'll just walk into a store and take stuff and walk right out right our laws no longer prevent people from doing things like that and so one stop gap that you can utilize is elite universal security and they operate all over northern california so wherever you're listening from in california and in the north you can use these guys and you can reach out to them um let me just roll my screen up here so i can quote you the number correctly at 530-749-0280 530-749-0280 that's a landline but they have dispatchers and they don't really do eight to five they just they're dispatching around the clock so they will put you to, they will, uh, they're looking for work and they're looking for workers. Uh, Monty Hecker, who is the owner, says, we've never been so busy. The phone just ringing off the hook. Do this, do that. Come here, help me here, help me there. So they're looking for workers and maybe you need to earn a few bucks. Somebody just told me the other day, she used to be an attorney. She said, I kind of retired, but she said, I'm going back to work. She said, I just, I under, undershot it, right? With the new costs. And I underestimated, so she's going back to work. So maybe you think, oh, maybe I'd go work 10 hours, 20 hours a week and be a guard. Well, they want you, and they want you over there, and they will train you. Some of the training is online. Some of it is in their office, but the work may be right where you're living, in your county, not where they're located, because they're in multiple counties. So uh, reach out to them at 530-749-0280. You can look at there's two websites that represent elite and that's eliteuniversalsecurity.com very simple their name altogether is one.com and then they have a their a site for their schooling which is ap-academy.com ap-i-academy.com that's their schooling part so give them a shout and um They'll also help you if if you don't want to work for them or you don't need security stuff, but you're trying to figure out the licensing on handling a gun, having a gun, or you bought a gun, got a gun for a gift, or got a gun given to you, and you want to learn how to use it. Uh, they have a range that they will make available to you. They'll help you understand the laws of, of uh, gun ownership in California. 
Uh, they're good. At, you know, they're not going to share their political beliefs, but they will tell you what the legalities are so you can operate safely. Um, so I'll give you my political beliefs, but they'll help. They'll keep you out of jail. <clears throat> so give them a shout. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Let's see, we got about 10 minutes to go, so I'm just looking around here for some of the most important things left that I would like to convey since we don't have all day to talk. Um, I wanted to mention that San Francisco, this is, it just totally amazes me. I didn't bring this up because it had to do just with San Francisco, so I thought I'm just going to ignore this. It doesn't affect our vote up here. It was called Prop Proposition M, like in Mickey. And M was on the ballot to, if you, if you were an owner of property in San Francisco and it's vacant, because lots of people have moved out of San Francisco and lots of businesses have moved out of San Francisco, so therefore... There's a lot of vacant property, and um, so the supervisors said, you know, we're not going to put up with that. We have all these people on the street as if they would rent some of this property. None of these people on the street are going to rent that property. You know, they're screwed up. They need some help. They need to go into rehab. But the supervisors, being government idiots, that uh, was introduced this Measure M was introduced by the Democratic Socialists of America. And Proposition M, also known as the Empty Homes Tax, this is scary, people, will tax property owners who have at least three units that have been vacant for more than six months. So say you got a fourplex, or say you got an eightplex or a hundredplex, and you have three units that have been vacant for more than six months. Or say you got ten homes or ten condos, and three of them have been vacant for more than six months. If that's true, they're going to tax you for not renting them out as if you were holding them back. The fact is people have left San Francisco. The tax amount is dependent on the unit size, but will between $2,500 and $5,000. So say you got five condos or five rental units of different housing types. You're going to get in and, and <clears throat> And you three of them have been empty, three or more. <clears throat> They're going to tax you per year on the first year, first two years. You're going to pay between $2,500 and $5,000 per empty residence for the first two years. Like each year, $5,000, say, per unit. Then... After that, if you don't get them rented out, they're going to go up and they're going to tax you $10,000 per unit for every year thereafter that that unit isn't rented. The tax is going to start in January of 2024. City controller estimates that 4,000 units are going to, their estimate that they get taxed right away. Four, can you imagine? 4,000 times $5,000. It's going to generate around $9 million in the first year and $15.4 million by 2026 due to many landlords unwilling to let them out. Why would a landlord be unwilling to rent? Well, 
people can't afford to pay for it, right? That you don't think their credit's good, or you think they're a drug dealer, or any number of things. You think they're going to thrash the house. They don't have good credit. The last landlord said they, th- they ruined the house. They had to rebuild the house. I have friends that are landlords. It's a horrible, it's a horrible business to be in. You put your, you fix up a place beautiful. And then when they get out, it, it, you have to rebuild the whole interior. And so many landlords are very picky. I'm totally with them. And I think they should have freedom to keep that off the market until they find the perfect person. I'm totally with them. And I don't think this is, this is amazing what they're doing. And they passed it in San Francisco. The tax money will go to a housing activation fund to help pay subsidies for elderly and needy residents. You know what this, this is about? It's more homeless money. When I say elderly and needy, that's homeless people. As well as buy more buildings in the city for housing. There is, did you, you see what the problem is? They say in California, there's a housing shortage. They argue out of both sides of their mouth. There is not a housing shortage in, in San Francisco. The people that live down there, that are on the streets, if those are the people that are going to go in those nice houses, they don't qualify to, they can't pay the rent on those nice houses. You know, if you remember before the housing bubble burst in, uh, what was it, 2006, people were being uh, allowed to purchase homes that had no business purchasing a home, three, you know, $300,000 home, $400,000 home, and they were my, uh, farm workers. Nice people, hardworking people, but they couldn't make a, and they, they had these, all these deferrals on the payments and they had a, uh, the, the, uh, percentage rate on the loan was, was a variable rate. It could go up. And when that housing market went sideways, their house that they bought for $400,000 also all of a sudden was worth $300,000. Listen, these people that can't afford to, to rent these places, can't afford to rent them. And so I'll tell you what the landowners are going to do. They're going to pay the penalty because the cost to try to get a person out. You ever Have you ever tried to evict a person in California? The landlord is always in the wrong in the government system, in the court system. And the tenant is always in the right. Doesn't matter whether they cooked methamphetamine in the bathroom. It doesn't matter whether they... Uh, we're tweaking and looking for cockroaches in the ceiling and and banged holes in the ceiling. I, I mean, it's crazy, people. I had one, one friend of mine who the people, when they finally got evicted, they, they uh, spread peanut butter all over the walls of the house. I want you to think about that for a minute. They took the, they took the uh, cabinet doors off. They just destroyed the house. Proponents stressed that tax revenues were not the aim of the proposition, but to reduce the vacancy rate in the city. Do you think that people that have these vacancies, I I can see that some may just let them sit and and don't want to even rent them out. Maybe if they're super rich people and they don't want to go, you know, they got the units, but they don't want to fuss with it. I mean, I have a guy next door that owned the sixplex and he, he was very picky on, on who he would allow rent these studio apartments. 
and he owned them. He owned them free and clear. And he was very, very picky about who we let in there. And so probably half the place is empty. And uh, people handle property different. People should not be compelled by government to do anything in particular with their property, even if it causes some problems in the city. I mean, we got downtown business property owners in Marysville that have let their property go to pot, just fall apart and then fix it up. But I think they should have the freedom to, to unless it's a hazard, but to tax these people is just absolutely it's communist, man. Going to go to a tax a housing activation fund. This is just so much garbage. They're going to try to reduce the vacancy rate in the city. So we had about it one at 54%. Just the majority of the people decide, right? But the 46%, they lose, right? They don't. They can't do what they want, just the 50, 54%. And many of those voters probably never owned property in their whole life. This article says it quoted someone here. Uh, let's see, De- Dean Preston. I don't know whether it's quoting Dean or not. It says, clear that people are fed up with tens of thousands of homes sitting vacant while thousands of people are sleeping on the streets. Those people are not going to qualify, and they're going to destroy those homes. Dean Preston, he pushed this. He's a supervisor. He said, I'm proud that San Francisco will soon be the third city in the nation. This is tragic. Third city in the nation to seriously address vacant units through the progressive tax measure. This is communism, people, socialism. Millions of dollars will go to rental subsidies for low-income seniors and more affordable housing. We pay so much. If if you want to help senior veterans or people like that that have served the country, it's one thing. But we we pay a lot of people. I know that they don't pay any rent. They pay twenty bucks a month, fifty. It's crazy. Taxpayers like me, I'm paying for my house. I'm paying for lots of other people's rent and their groceries. Opponents of the new proposition warned that the overall affected number of units was very low and will actually affect very little of the current housing stock in San Francisco. And even those affected may even find loopholes around it, as many other cities have found out. It just it's crazy. Well, we're coming to the end of our show and uh, thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week, Lord willing. And um uh, then I have a little information about the next two weeks because I'm, I'm going to be on the road a little bit, but uh, we'll figure it out. Okay, we'll be, we'll be back. Good night. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. I think to myself What a wonderful world I see skies are blue And clouds of white The bright blessed day And the dark sacred night